Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Well, today is uh, part three of our future church series but it's also the first day that we are going to be diving into unique cultural topics and narratives that are all around us and asking ourselves what is our place as a community as in a response to that so today uh, something i'm incredibly passionate about and we are talking about how to be a community of tight-knit loving relationships in a culture of individualism and isolation. How do we react and respond to a world around us that is increasingly trying to motivate and resource us to live lives not only um, isolated, but with the highest good being our individual happiness and satisfaction? Uh, what is the church's response to that? As Jesus followers, how do we how do we respond? So before we dive into the text today, which will be Romans 12, I wanted to just frame our cultural moment a little bit of the world that we presently inhabit. And this is has been emphasized this past year and a half because of COVID, but this was existing even long before. Uh, so just a couple of observations. One, there is something hardwired into us as human beings that are built for community. Uh, we see this. Um, I was talking with a friend this week who had done a lot of work with the homeless in San Diego. And she was making this reference as she was down there and going to a Padre game and walking through kind of a, a tent um, city that had been built. She says, you know, it's so interesting how people, even if they, they're alive, things that have been done to them or choices they've made have led them out of community, out of relationship with their family and friends, even work or homes, still gravitate towards each other. There's something primal within every human being that even if relationships heard that wants to draw back together, which makes sense that even uh, some of the harshest punishment that is used throughout the world is isolation. It's taking people away from relationship. It's because deep, deep within us, there is something God has hardwired us to live within community. Um, also, we um, behind me is the city of Encinitas. And before we planted the church three years ago, I've never, I'd never lived in Encinitas. I didn't know much about it other than it had great coffee and great surf. And that was enough for me. Um, and when we started planting the church, something happened that we were not expecting. As people began to come, these people were just lovely, warm, welcoming, um, kind people. And we kept hearing the same refrain. And their refrain was, oh, we don't have community. We don't have anyone. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they were just like, yeah, we just, we don't really have friends. And that was such a shock to me because these were friend-worthy people. These were kind people, but there was this, this thing that was unique. I had never experienced before that was unique to this coastal region that people were, were really longing 
for a sense of community and that that was something that they didn't know how to access. There was something about the cultural fabric of this place that leans towards individualism and not towards community. Statistically speaking, um, research would, would again kind of affirm this. The average American has gone from 3.2 friends to 1.8 in the past few years, meaning friendship has been cut in half. Robert Putnam's work says that 40% of American adults have zero to one confidant. Uh, I think about 40% have one to zero people to process life with. Doctors are calling loneliness the great pathology of our time. Our former Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, in an article for the Harvard Business Review wrote, During my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes, it was loneliness. A recent study done by SDSU tracked individual emphasized words in literature in the past 30 years is so fascinating and what they found is the terms individual terms like i and me were up by 42 percent and communal terms like we and us were down 10 percent even in our literature we're seeing this also the surgeon general said that loneliness has the same effect on our body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day uh, we are facing this tectonic shift within our culture um, largely i think due to the the what technology has done to us the efficiency it's granted us has also made us feel like again not that this is true feel like we don't need people anymore which has led us into these places that we don't i mean for for thousands of years you had no choice but to live in a tribe, to rely on people. And as we've advanced in industry and technology, we now have the option to be able to say, well, I don't really need people. I mean, some of us even watch this online, there's really good reasons. And at the same time, even now, things that used to be totally communal, like church, have this option of like, well, you know, this is, this is something, and again, I know there's good reasons for that. But it seems that every area of our life has done that. Sociologically speaking, this is something as a core issue um, that within all of us, that this individualism or autonomy is something we strive after. I remember being in the Dominican Republic uh, with the director of, an organi of a nonprofit over there, and he said something really interesting. He says, why do you Americans move out when you're 18? And I just think about it, I'm like, well, I just, you know, a lot of us go to college or it's kind of what you do. And he says, we don't do that here. He says, you don't move out until you're married and you start your own family. And even then, we like you to stay close. And it was just such a different framework of just like, oh, we, we have this high, high value in our culture of moving towards independence. But oftentimes that, that good idea of independence gets mixed in together with individualism and sometimes turns into isolation and so there is this thing that we need to do i was i was funny i was listening to i was reading this article from the ceo of starbucks this is before covid and they're about to roll out this huge new thing of delivery service because what they said is starbucks was founded upon community and coffee they talked about this third place that they wanted to do and, and there's this big controversy when we started doing drive-throughs because it robbed them of this third place feeling. 
But then they found out something is that if people are willing to pay a high price for coffee, they're willing to pay a higher price for convenience. And so they began to start thinking about delivery um, for coffee. Really, you pay $7 for a latte, but again, convenience has become one of the highest values in our society. And to be honest, community doesn't equal convenience. Individualism does. So what do we, what do, we do with that? Now, before we dive into the text, I know we just kind of framed culturally what's going on. Uh, I want to be honest that community can be this overly idealized concept. Like, I love community. And like, especially 10 years ago, it's kind of like a buzzword within church. It's all about community. But I think it's really important just to say that community takes work. <laughs> Relationships take Work. And oftentimes we look back to Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4 and we idealize the early church had such vibrant community. Have you read the rest of Acts? It was tough. There was divisions and persecution and arguments and debates, but yet a firm commitment. So for those of us who are just like, yes, I love community, let's just take a reality check and realize we're not talking about an ideal. We are talking about loving people, sometimes which are hard to love. But I also want to just recognize that this topic of community for some of you is just a trigger because you've been hurt by people, some of them incredibly painfully. And so a sermon that's encouraging you to draw towards people, I, I know is a, it's a pain point. Because it's within community, whether it was at church or a small group in your family, co-workers, has, has created through that wounding these rules that have been built around distrust to try and preserve and to protect yourself. And I gently want to invite you to reevaluate your relationship to the idea of community. And at the same time, this is not some sort of, like I said, idealized sermon that moves us back into abusive or toxic relationship. That's not what we're talking about here. But we are talking about that every single person who's watched this, who has been hurt by another human being, will have to learn a way forward, back towards relationship. Otherwise, we will find ourselves in, ind in individuality and isolation. And that's not God's design for us. It is to live into community. And so we're going to read together Hebrews 12, the whole chapter. It's a long text. But the purpose is that when Paul writes this, he is speaking to an incredibly difficult context when it comes to community. You see, the church in Rome began by converted Jews from the day of Pentecost. They came home to Rome, began to start practicing the way of Jesus in their homes, but it was still very Jewish in how they did it. Well, because of a law by Caesar um, and blaming fires in Rome, they blamed the Jews and Jews were uh, outcasted from Rome. And so the church no longer was primarily Jewish, it became primarily Gentile, non-Jewish. 
And once that dispersion was gone and the Jews were allowed to come home, all of a sudden you have these two very strong tribes of people coming together. And Rome was known for kind of building the first apartment system where your family would have a room, but there'd be a communal kitchen. If you know anything about Jewish culture, how you cook and how you eat kosher is not something you could just get to do flippantly with someone who's making pork or things that are unkosher. And so Paul, as he's writing Romans, knows this. And the first 12 chapters are just theological gold. I mean, they're so beautiful. It talks about who God is. And in chapter 12, he says, here's how we respond. Literally, he says, to the mercy of God. If, if Paul was to summarize the first 12 Romans of the first 12 chapters of Romans, it is the mercy of God. Our response to the mercy of God. And I just want you to hear this. Our response to the gospel is a certain type of community that Paul's going to lay out for us here. So we're going to read this. I guess, like I said, it's a lengthy scripture, but I would encourage you track with me, read along with me, let these words uh, press against your soul, challenge you, encourage you, convict you, because this is the framework that the Holy Spirit lays out for the church of how we ought to live in community together. So Romans 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, he's pleading with them, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, right, the last 12 chapters, in view of everything God has done, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's how you live. It's surrendering your life over to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, which is a great summary sentence of what this series is about. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And for our world right now, and this world behind me is, is largely leaning towards this individualistic ideal but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, who? Everyone. This is for all of us. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgments in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Listen to verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. If there was a summary phrase in the Bible about community, it is this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Meaning, it sometimes takes intentionality and work to be devoted to one another in love. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. I love this. Practice hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Such a great word for so many of us. Do not be conceited. Why? Because pride is at the root of separation and division. Don't repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a powerful, real and raw exhortation from the Word of God, not just to a church in Rome, but to us. That we're called to something different, to be devoted to one, or, to one another in love, to practice hospitality, to mourn with those who are mourning, to, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. How, how do we do those things if we don't have community? How do we do those things if we're actually not a body, but we're just a group of fingers hanging out because we like the same things, or maybe we hate the same things, and that brings us together? There is this explicit imagery of diversity of people that don't look like you, some of which have even rubbed you the wrong way, that we draw together and say, no, 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 because in view of God's mercy, we come together as a family and as a body and I think it's, it's, a lot of it has to do with how you look at it. So last night, I'm, I'm finishing up this sermon. I'm writing my notes. And um, Jen and I were at a conference this week. And I'm looking around. And the house is, is just kind of gotten a little bit out of control. It's late at night. I have to finish the sermon. I don't have time to go and to clean up. And I'm looking at, like, dishes and some toys tucked away in the corner and the kids' shoes that were left on the floor. Um, and what was interesting is I, I looked at that and it was kind of like, ah, oh, work. And then I looked again. I felt like the Holy Spirit says, blessing. And I began to start looking and I began just thinking, thank you, God, that my, my kids have shoes. Thank you, God, that you've given us dishes to eat food on. You provide us food. Thank you, Lord God, that my children have toys to play with. And then I began to start realizing, Lord, thank you for the feet that fill those shoes, the bellies that eat that food, the hands that play with those toys. And it was just so funny. This thing that caused great annoyance all of a sudden was bringing up gratitude and even praise in my own heart. And that's my hope, is to be able to be real and honest that there are many of us who are still recovering from wounds we've had from other people. But for some of us, the Holy Spirit right now, I think is drawing us towards one another. So three, three things of how we can practically live this out. Because I think that there is a practice, a spiritual discipline that we can live into that helps us be a counterculture against the world. And that 
practice in a word is community. So three different ways we can practice this as a church. Number one, invest into friendship. This is not a church program. Like, and we're not going to do like, hey, friendship 101. It's, these are people in your life. These are organic relationships you have. And I would just encourage you, invest into them. Invest into who they are as people. Aristotle famously kind of had these three categories for friends. The uh, first category is usefulness. They're friends that we use, which I think in our culture we're really good at. Oh, you can help me get promoted or get more influence or feed this thing. The second category is amusement or pleasure. This is friends you're just like, man, you can just help me escape. And I want to hang around you because I don't have to talk about the real things that are going on inside of me. But there's this third category. This is friends for virtue. I think it's a fascinating concept that there is a category of friends that do something within us. C.S. Lewis, in talking about friendship, says it is the crown of life. It's a school of virtue. N.T. Wright talk, describes virtue as it's a habit-forming strength of character. One of the most famous friendships in all of Scripture is Jonathan and David. In 1 Samuel 23, it says, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh, and I love this line, and helped him find strength in God. And I think that's, that's what friendship is at its best. It's, and it's, again, usefulness, entertainment and pleasure. Sometimes these things are a result of friendship, but the, what we see in a biblical framework of friendship through David and Jonathan is they've helped him find strength in God. Invest into that. Number two is... Uh, serve. Serve alongside someone. Um, choose to find an organization you're passionate about and, and go and find like-minded people who burn with the same passion that you do. Also, um, you feel free to come if you're looking maybe something specific at our church. Serve at our church. Come alongside and work with men and women who are serving kids or putting together coffee for people or working in our missions ministry, um, who are greeting people. It's an amazing way to start building community is walking shoulder to shoulder with people to accomplish a, a singular mission. And the last thing I just want to encourage you um, is build into community. Um, as a church, the kind of the functionality of how this works is through open tables. I'm just going to say from the very beginning, we don't think open tables are God's only answer for community. There's lots of ways you can build into community. But I think the key is do it. Build into it. Invest your life. And you might not be like, well, I don't know if I need that. Well, maybe someone needs you. Maybe someone needs what you have to bring that you're going to add. And maybe, yes, you are associating with people of low position. What a gift. Is that not what Jesus did towards you? And so as a church, as we launch our open tables today, maybe pray about that there's a group of people you don't know yet, or you only know some or don't know well, that God would have you journey with as you practice the way of Jesus together. That might sound frightening for you, especially if you're an introvert. Um, but again, it's something worth fighting for and towards is leaning into one another and at the same time again this is not an overly idealized thing this takes time sometimes it takes a couple of times to figure it out and sometimes what you do is you figure out that the the functionality of a church 
helps some people and sometimes you're like you know what i've actually found this brotherhood or sisterhood here praise the lord but again like i said this is not an infomercial on our small groups this is a call to join with people and live life build friendships serve alongside people build into community and as you're doing that you are working against love christine kane this week said it's that you're working against the cult of self that who we are who i am as an individual although it carries value was meant to be lived out in community last verse as we close Philippians 2, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I love it. So again, kind of like his letter to the Romans, in view of God's mercy, if you have been affected by the love of Jesus, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude or mindset as Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we we confess that we live in a culture and we have a fallen flesh that will always bend inward. That because of industry and technology, Lord, it is now a very real option to live completely isolated. And there are those of us who have chosen that route and there are those of us who would love nothing more than community and feel desperately lonely. So God, no matter where we are on that spectrum, We are asking for your grace and your strength and the leading of your spirit that would move us into community, devoted to one another, practicing the way of Jesus together. Lord, I pray that you would help us fight this this autonomy idol in our culture and that you would allow us to practice vulnerability, practice honesty. Lord Jesus, to choose one another even when it's hurt. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you that you modeled this for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.